Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. As always, I am Joey. And uh, hey, Miles. Ah. Where in the world is Steven San Diego? Why, he's right here on this podcast with us. Something like that, right? Love it. Yep. Yeah, we renamed Steve while we were waiting for him to join us for the episode, so that happened. Uh, Miles, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. I'm pretty tired, but, you know, this is fun. It's just been a <clears throat> long week. Good stuff, but uh, but long week. Steve, how you feeling? I'm feeling okay. How's, uh, how's the four-legged friend you uh, have brought into your home? Uh, she is quite... Uh, she's the... the definition of a frisky cat who shows up on your head while you're sleeping and decides to chew in your face and then run away and come back and do it again every four or five minutes but uh you know if you like cats it's a good thing and we do so <laughs> so you have, have a name we're still we're close but we uh you're, you're lucky i haven't decided to uh put up a poll on the website and make it uh binding but yeah. uh We've had a lot of yeah. a, a, a lot of great uh, suggestions. Unfortunately, you know, I have two daughters and a wife who are not uh, whose interests awesome. don't always cross over with mine. Because so, the, I, you know, so the suggestion. Is, go ahead. Well, I think you're thinking of the same one I did. No, no. Go ahead. What are you saying? Oh, I was saying I, I was partial so far to the suggestion of pussy galore. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. What was the? Uh, <laughs> What was the, the, the one from the, oh, is it doc, Dr. Pussy? Remember from an uh, episode? Oh, yeah. When, which, that was our Bond movie, right? Dr. Yeah. Pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that it, it, I mean, a better man would just do it for the joke. Uh, yeah, I don't think. <laughs> Actually, uh, I, That's true. It, it was, you are surrounded by women in your home. Uh, she has been called Pussy many times, so it's uh, it's not like it's that out you know outside of possibility but do you really want to tell people when they ask what's your cat's name oh it's uh dr pussy i don't know it's just i mean i kind of do actually <laughs> it sounds amazing it does but you know i, I mean I, my my I'm, childhood cat my grandfather had was named puss so like it's not that much better <laughs> yeah. i you know like puss and puss in boots but i don't know yeah or dr pussy doctor she's got education she's got breeding she looks like a doctor there you go you give her like a jacket with elbow patches if you need <laughs> doctor pussy Doesn't say what kind of doctor she goes yeah she could be uh she could be a phd all right I'll, I'll, there we go it's settled i will i will uh put that name in the hat the tomorrow and see if we pull it i think it'll be uh quickly eliminated by the actual <laughs> decision makers of the family but Hope springs eternal. Um, we <clears throat> will be talking about two of the uh, big awards movies, potentially, that I saw. We will be talking about the things both of you have caught up on. And we have some questions, which we did not have last week, because uh, if I'm being honest, I forgot to make sure that that was put up on Twitter. So, whoops. But it happens. So let's make up for that right now. 
And let's do one of our questions, which I definitely didn't forget to pull up. Nope, I got it right here. All right. So let's kick off with uh, Kayflee's question. Kayflee208 asks, if you had a sight and sound ballot, what would your 10 films have been? So for those of you who know, uh, sight and sound every decade, right, does their list. It's every 10 years. That sounds right. Anyone? Bueller? It definitely sounds right, yeah. Yeah, we're just gonna say that's that's right. We don't we don't do research. Lovers, not experts. Um, so we're yeah. The the list for those of you who don't know is um, they do directors list, but it's a it's critics, it's journalists, and over the years they have gotten a bit more highfalutin. I would say. I mean, they always were, but they've sort of leaned into the like showing off what I know feeling at least to me. So uh, I, I think our list would be very different. Um, at the very least, if you want, talk about like sort of your top ten films of all time, and if you think they would be on the list, I think that's an interesting way to approach it, as opposed to like just making a list off the top of your head. Unless you want to do that as well. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I didn't think so, but I figured talking about like yeah, but I figured you know your top ten films kind of situation, and you kind of know whether you would want them on a list or if you would be tinkering with it, you know. Sure. Well, I, I have it on a note, so let me get that pulled up. There you go. Because you have it somewhere. I, All right. I, I don't. Do you kind of know it. I'm not a big list person. Um, I you boy, know, you I, in the I wrong kind of changed <laughs> with the days. The, the one thing that's pretty constant uh, and has been for decades now is Back to the Future. Is uh, is and has been my all time favorite for many nice. reasons. Back to the Future is in my top ten. Yeah. And my amended be. top ten. It's an excellent <laughs> film, um, and it and it and it it passed. It's it you know just recently my nieces and my niece and nephew had watched it, and they were about I think nine and twelve, and my sister told me and I said, "How was it?" And she's like, I, "I was worried because they had just watched some other '80s films and didn't like them, and they loved it." And and I'm like, "There's there's something about it. There's it's it's movie magic, but there's but it's also." incredibly well written the characters are are iconic and, and memorable um there's so much to it so it's not like a film that just like oh it, it happens to be a film i watch as a kid and it you know it's nostalgia it's uh it passes the test of time i i i shared it with other family members and my kids and uh you know it's uh it's well done but uh, other films that i don't know if they're on the list but um on the waterfront like some like if you're going to go look at the classics um what is it i'm blanking now <laughs> the, 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 oh singing in the rain which is another with sure you know, oh well you're just trying to be one of those people but it's fantastic and i actually was introduced to that, yes. to that one uh much later than a lot of like classic film it was just i was probably in my 30s and when i saw it i was like damn yeah. this is good and uh, it's sure. not one of my favorite. Which so. is it is on it is on the list. Miles, did you pull up the actual list by any chance? Uh, well? Yes, I did. And let me just navigate All right. back to Do, that. I believe the top twenty is kind of what most people published, right? Yeah, if you can yeah, read that's the, what the, I've got here. Do you want to run that down real quick? Well, before we talk about ours, just to ex- explain the differences. Sure. Well, and I think yeah. you know, if any of us have anything to say about them as we run down, just real quick <clears> thoughts. <throat> I think that's sure. Uh, so, so 20 counting up or down? 
Counting back from 20, I guess. Counting back from 20. So building up to number one. Uh, we have Seven Samurai, Akira Kosawa, 1954. Uh, yeah, great movie. Great masterpiece. Should be on there. Yes. Uh, Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford Coppola, 1979. Uh, Hard to argue with, I think. Yep, it's up there. Uh, Persona, Ingmar Bergman, 1966. We're getting a little closer into a specific sort of taste, but also your mileage with Bergman varies and which Bergman you like, but I would never tell someone they're wrong, but I, this is a very specific type of film. Oh, sure. But I would say, you know, within the realm of like the kind of stuff that'll come up on the Criterion channel, I would say Bergman is as close to mainstream as those kind of things get. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We're going to, as the list goes on, you're going to see some mainstream things, but then you're going to see some, I don't want to call them big swings because they're, they're all classics, but maybe not what most people tell you is their favorite film of all time type situation. Well, let me put it this way. The next two films coming up, I have not heard of, nor have I heard of the filmmakers. So we got <laughs> Close Up by Abbas Kiarostami, 1989. No idea. I mean, I know I know of the filmmaker mainly from doing Certified Copy. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, the Iranian filmmaker. I, I know less about um, some of his older work. I don't know that one. Um, and then we got Meshes of the Afternoon by Maya Darren and Alexander Hamid, 1943. No idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a big swing and a miss on my end of not knowing about that one. Clearly, I'm missing out. Uh, next up at number 15, we got The Searchers, John Ford, 1956. Now we're back on more familiar territory. Yeah, though... Mm. Yeah. I have my issues with that one, but it's great. Well, yeah. Sure. I mean, familiar as in you see it on lists like this, not as in it belongs there. Yeah. I mean, John Ford is now ingrained too. in my head. Well, especially yeah. when you hear about some of the films that missed the cut, like, yeah. I don't yes. know that this one should be there. Um, oh, yeah. Also, now I just think of John Ford in relation to the Fablemans. Yeah. Same. Um, next up, we have Cleo from 5 to 7, Agnes Varda, 1962. Sure. Definitely in that, you know, older, semi-obscure artsy film that like is about. Well, also, she now. died. Re- she she died recently. Um, a certain segment of the of the film going community is very partial to her, and something that I think uh, listen no issue with, but is a noticeable change on the list was there was a definite move towards uh, remembering that women make films as well. Yes, I think this is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Next up we got, and I'm not going to get the pronunciation right here, but La Régelée de Jus by Jean Renoir, 1939. Again, your Renoir may vary, but, you know, there's a there's a reason he's considered one of the masters. I'm not familiar with this one. Yeah, I can't speak to this film specifically, but I I would... I would trust that it's a good film for obvious reasons, but it's the equivalent of, you know, even if you haven't seen, you know, to make it much more modern and not necessarily talking about us, but in general, like a Spielberg or a Scorsese, you probably trust that they're well done because you've seen enough to know that they make well done films. Right. Um, next up, one that everyone should be much more familiar with, 
The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola, 1972, second Coppola on here. Yeah, also notable, as you were talking about what's not on the list, uh, we're going to spoil a little bit, Godfather Part 2 was dropped from the top 20. Yeah, which, and I've seen it theorized that in an era where we think more about, like, a film is representative of a franchise, people are voting for the first one when they're really voting for both kind of thing. Which I don't sure, know. Sure, it's a way of getting into that, but it's something to think. about. I suppose it's a it's a strategy to pretend you got eleven votes instead of ten. I mean, there's not a lot of sequels on this list, so take that for what you will. No, that's true. By not a lot, I mean I'm pretty sure zero. I mean, if we if we went down the, like, I mean, I haven't like nine... I haven't seen the first twenty two John Dealman films, but yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Godfather, classic, often in the top three of these kind of things, deserves to be there, right? Sure. Uh, next up, we got Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, F.W. Murnau, 1927. I know Murnau, I don't know this film. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I, you know, the Murnau that I've seen, I might be more partial to, but I also, we can't compare it without knowing. Quite. Next up, uh, back to Steve's point, we got Singing in the Rain. This uh, starts the top 10, Stanley Doonan and Gene Kelly, 1951. Yeah, classic. Masterpiece. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, it, I, I, it wouldn't be on a 10 that I would list just because my, my personal favorites are a little more modern, but I do appreciate seeing it on the list. And uh, it, it has a very special place in the film world for a reason, while also being I'm, gonna, I'm looking at this top 20. It is by far the most entertaining of the 20 movies on the list. It's a hoot, that movie. Oh, yeah. So much fun. Yeah. Beginning to end. Yeah. Possibly Question. the most lighthearted. Oh, definitely the most lighthearted of the list. Yeah. So what are they, what do, they, like, how how does this work? They, do you get an empty ballot and they say, write down. Yes, you fill out 10 films. And they say nothing, no direction, no, no like. I mean, I don't vote, or at least I haven't looked into it. I know people are, are currently getting set up for next time already, but I imagine they might show you what was on the list last time. Like, was Gene Dealman like, number two last time? Something like I that? I do not remember. There, there's also been, like, there's a there's a corner of the film-going internet where they speculate on where things are going. So in the same way that, like, inadvertently we, we sometimes build buzz by talking about things... I always think back to um, in the uh, other website that I used to be a part of um, how much we contributed to Robert Duvall getting nominated for the judge by mainly saying, like, I guess Robert Duvall might get nominated for the judge. Considering it was a movie that did nothing anywhere else. I just mean, you know, so I do it, wonder. it seems like, OK, do I put my 20 favorite films or 10 favorite films of all time? Do I put films that i feel because there's favorites and you know this is the the old mark oh, discussion yeah. favorite and uh and and best films you know best. like favorite versus I, I best. Can, yeah i mean and, and well and yeah i always if you're taking a step f- back from it and trying to be as objective as possible i agree i think a favorite list and what i think are a best list would potentially look quite different sure and i think this is meant to be a best list but i mean i would probably take my 10 favorite and just ever so slightly massage them which is what I was kind of talking about for you guys uh, before. We can do that briefly after we finish the list. My feeling is warts and all is sometimes you have to, you know, that's how you have to approach it. You know, you look, sure. you're going a hundred, you know, decades later, a hundred years later now at this point. Um, and of course you're going to say, well, 
this was done better in certain ways. I mean, the but, times there are changing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a very it's like a very broad. That's the thing. It's like this is the list. I'm like, well, who voted? And well, I think this is in in some ways. Sight and Sound likes to present it as this is the list. You know, but in the same way that like. Remember when we we pretended the IMDb top two hundred and fifty had a little bit more sway than it probably does? Mm-hmm. You know, that's pulling from a very different lo- a group, so you yeah. get a you know different type of film. Let's what say lands I, I don't I haven't checked that, that in forever. I haven't Shawshank? seen it in forever. For the, well, it was The Godfather for years, then The Shawshank Redemption finally took it over, and then I'm actually going to pull that up. Wasn't it uh, the Dark Miles, you... for a minute? Oh boy, I mean, sure. But all I, I don't know. I, I was about to say recency bias, but I guess that movie is older than I realized. All right, the IMDb top two hundred and fifty in our full on divergence that we've taken. Uh, well, in keeping with uh, them being a very different list, they are far more modern and uh, largely enraging, I guess, for people. So I'll tell you that Forrest Gump is number eleven. Okay. With number twelve being Fight Club. So Forrest Gump, better than Fight Club. Keep that in mind. Mm. Uh, Ten, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Nine, Fellowship of the Ring. Eight, Pulp Fiction. Seven, Return of the King. Already more sequels. Uh, Six, Schindler's List. Five, Twelve Angry Men. Four, Godfather Part Two. Three, The Dark Knight. Two, The Godfather. Shawshank remains number one. Technically, Shawshank and Godfather are 9.2s out of 10, so they're tied. Fair enough. Man, 12 Angry yeah. Men really sticks out from that list, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's as if they were like, we, we gotta have we gotta have one classic. Even though it's just based on like voting. But I do wonder, it's got a 9.0 out of 10. How many people gave it a 1 for some strange reason? I, I actually don't want to know, but I'm sure there's I suspect the reasons why are not reasons I care to know about. Yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> rabbit hole that doesn't lead anywhere fun. No, no, no. By the way, Interstellar is the 26th best movie of all time, according to IMDb. Get fucked. All right, so back to the sight and sound <laughs> list. Uh, number nine, we got Man with a Movie Camera, Ziga Vertov, 1929. Yeah, historical relevance as much as anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how much I enjoyed watching it. It's not a bit, It's not unenjoyable, but it's an artifact. It's a relic of its time as a historic. It's a historical document, if right. we're being honest. Uh, Which probably has a place on the list. Number eight, I take umbrage with because it's Mulholland (laughs) Drive by David Lynch, 2001, which uh, resides in my probably bottom three least favorite viewing experiences of all time. Wow. See, that's not my in my top 20 for sure. I'm I'm, I'm very anti Lynch. Except except this year in one very specific case. Well, Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I'm way in the middle of, like, Mulholland Drive is fine. Yeah. Uh, number seven, we got Beau Travail, or Travail, Claire Denis, 1998. Don't know this one, but I know Claire Denis. Not my favorite filmmaker, but I get that I'm in the minority there. So, you know, can't really argue. Uh, six, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick, 1968. An absolute classic and, you know, revolutionized an entire genre. It's also in my bottom three least favorite uh, film experiences. Uh, <clears throat> I do th- I do know that some people were theorizing this was going to jump to number one. 
so there is this weird I, I don't know exactly how to explain it but like that that people sort of know what's on the upward trajectory just based on I don't really even know what so it's it's fascinating in that way frustrating for Miles when he sees 2001 of Mulholland Drive just soaring up the list yeah. I think Mulholland Drive had the biggest jump up also I don't know if it was in the top 20 last time I could it's probably too new See, 2001 for me, on the list. It's I appreciate the film, but I really much prefer like a sizzle reel. Give me, you know, the 30-minute version. Give me the mm. whole, you know, monkeys. You just want to watch. Bones. Yeah, you want to watch the monkeys. You want to see the, the, the ship floating like, and you want to see a little bit of You just want the highlights. You don't need the yeah. whole. Yeah. It, oh, it, God. It's just so slow. And it's just it's not atmospheric. It's just tedious after a while. Sure. The last 30 minutes or so, you know, with the colors, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was great before, uh, what do they call those, kaleidoscopes. But at this point, like if you're not smoking something or eating some kind of gummy. I was about to say, you can get so much better drugs now. Yeah. Well, and frankly, cinema has evolved to such a state where if you want like a visual mind fuck, I don't know that that even cuts the mustard anymore. Yeah. We'll talk about uh, the latest James Cameron work in a little bit. Well, there is a uh, a, a, a lot yeah. to appreciate. The the soundtrack, you know, is, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Oh no, it's not the soundtrack. The, 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 the I'm sorry, the sound design is what I'm trying to say, and the uh, and the score are fantastic. And there's a lot there. It's just like, do you want to sit down? Like, hey, throw in 2001. Why? Yeah, it's just not Why an especially you? pleasant viewing experience. Yeah, unless sure. unless there's some kind of mushrooms or something weird going on, it's uh, I don't see it happening. Where where in the drug kaleidoscope is Steven San Diego? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just like saying somebody. <laughs> might, some, I know a lot of people talking like, oh, they love the film. I'm like, OK. Uh, I mean, like for me, honestly, Singing in the Rain. I'll watch that five, yeah. ten times before I'd watch uh, 2001 again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we are in the top five. Uh, so yes. at number five, we got In the Mood for Love, Wong Kar Wai, 2001. I actually saw this for the first time earlier this year, and I Go fucking figure. love it. It's amazing. Oh, it's great. Definitely, definitely deserves to be up here. I'm tempted to say I might prefer 2046, but it's a matter of taste. Uh, number four, we've got Tokyo Story, Yasujiro Uzu, 1953. Yeah, classic. Yeah, that that that's consistently in the top tens of most most lists. Um, it's kind of a it seems it seems to have been dictated as sort of the period the the pinnacle of Asian cinema. Which again, your mileage listen with all of this, your mileage may vary, but that's sort of where the like cream of the crop has decided it's, it belongs. Well, yeah, it'll leave there be that or uh, like Seven Samurai. I would go Seven Samurai of those two, but I, I I won't kick up much fuss here. For sure. Uh, at number three, we got Citizen Kane, Orson Welles, 1941. Um, yeah, we've talked about this one before. It keeps getting brought up in these conversations for a good reason, because it's just a really good, entertaining movie. Yep. It's the people who dread watching it as like, oh, this is the best movie ever made. I would say like seven times out of ten watching back. Like, oh, I get it. Or at least they're like, that wasn't a, that wasn't as boring as I thought it was. You know, they think it's going to be homework. And it's like, no, like it's a it was made as a mainstream film. Well, and frankly, some of the movies on here are homework. 
Like I don't, yes. there's several of these that I would like watch out of obligation more so than enjoyment. But Citizen Kane is a riot. Citizen Kane is just fun and entertaining and involving. Thing is, too, is with Citizen Kane, if you know a little bit more about the history of it, you know, of the era and and where it all, what it derives from, um, and the techniques that were used in the production. There's a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to appreciate it. You can just watch it and enjoy it, but also there, you know, it, it, when it comes to film, you know, it's groundbreaking and it, it remains, uh, something that's admirable. What are we looking at 80 years later? And, and it's still, you know, this is not like, oh, well, uh, you know, th- this is the first moving camera, you know, or move, moving image, blah, blah, blah. No, this is something yeah. that's well worth your time. <clears throat> and uh, I've heard plenty of people say, oh, Citizen Kane, I'm not going to watch that. That's, you know, film school stuff. And like, you know what? Once in a while you have to like, just like f- any kind of fine food or anything else, trust the uh, the people who know and, and give it a shot. And if you do, I think... It, like like uh, Miles said, you probably will enjoy the film. It's actually uh, it's, are you, it's quite an enjoyable. Are you implying one. that that people on the internet should listen to writers on the internet and not just prejudge things and tell them they're wrong? I think well, people on. in general. Uh, you posted something this week uh, about yes, you know the discourse and the bullshit, and I'm like, oh, yes, I I, I I it's my least favorite thing in the world is when people decide that they don't like something. <clears throat> so by virtue, you liking it must be wrong. And that it happens every year. It's almost always a somewhat divisive film. Sometimes it's not even like last year. I remember it happening with Coda and I'm like, you can not like it, but to negate someone else finding it to be lovely and moving is insane. Um, this year I see it happening a little bit with every film, which is kind of wild. We just can't have nice, nice things anymore. Um, the most I see it happening is with the whale. And I get that it's uh, inherently the content is going to prove divisive. And and if you sort of get riled up by the what you think it might be doing, you may not be open to what it actually is doing. And Miles, you, you know the play. So you know that like I think expectations maybe are not always in its favor. People think it's one thing when it's not. Oh, yeah. And then like- even after watching it. I'm familiar enough with it to know like what it's trying to be and what people are going to mistake it for being. Exactly. And I, and I hear people basically dismiss it as not being that thing, which first of all, I just, I have an issue with, with you can say you don't think they did it well, but like to say that the intent of the filmmaker was the opposite of the, the playwright who wrote the play. I, I just, that's, that, that stuff bugs me. It's like, you, you just want to like be extreme in your position and, and have the, the biggest, I don't like it. Um, but even, and it's just even not worse. There, there are people. Who... Even even worse is what I see on Twitter lately. Is I haven't seen it yet, but because well, someone well. else had said they liked it, I'm ready to, you know, put on the gloves and start and 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 fight you over this. I'm like, sit back. A, my my approach, and I've said this many times, is let's celebrate film. You can like what you like. Shut up. Sure. And don't you don't you don't have to tear things I mean, down. You know, I I I, I purposely avoid taking a film that I didn't like unless I've given it a couple shots and, and, and oh yeah you you literally declined to talk about something when we were talking about what we we're gonna talk about this week you've declined to talk about something just because you don't feel the need to say something negative about it 
Yeah, exactly. And like, it, you know, maybe down the line I will. And, and even then, not negative. I'll just be, you know, I'll be critical. Yeah, be honest. That's that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. But oh, listen, we when I don't like something, I write my negative review. It comes up possibly in the podcast, but I don't we don't really go back to it. We sometimes make a joke, but we're I would argue we're pretty lighthearted compared to uh, a lot of people. And if we don't if we go to if we go after something. It's it's there's usually a reason like what did I go after last year it was Roe versus Wade because I was worried it was going to lead to what fucking happened this year. So like I was right well, to do that's it. a thing, but it's not completely different than you not liking a film and attacking it compared to. Oh, yeah. It's, like it's you uh, can irresponsible to have this film out there. Exactly. Like you can absolutely despise a film and your experience is not wrong. Every film is somebody's favorite film. And every film is somebody's least favorite film. So there's there's no world in which you can change someone's mind. So why not just I don't know. I I don't I never choose violence. And people choose violence. I I would much rather spend time saying why I like something or, you know, when we're talking about new releases, like break it down. Like listen, Miles and I spent like a good fucking half hour 40 minutes talking about Jurassic World Dominion, like a movie we both are wildly indifferent to. Yeah. But we found like the fun of like jokingly saying we found a better movie and like we probably can't make a better movie. I mean, Miles might actually, but, uh, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily, we're not telling the filmmaker they did something wrong or bad. We're, we're using as a springboard for a discussion of something we find fun, which is, you know, the speculation of like a movie in our heads. You're not having that with a whale. No one's being like, well, I would have built this Brendan Fraser vehicle as this. They're saying, like, we've decided this is a war crime. And that's just the position I can't can't abide. It really brings me down. And, like, you know, I was having a down week, you know, for whatever reason. But then I go on Twitter and I I try to find an escape. And, like, let me, you know, hear what other people are talking about film. And I just find that there's such a lack of joy. It's just, like, people want to be angry and want to be right. Not even right. They want to make a point so they can get their likes or whatever it is, whatever their shortcomings are, and they need to find that fulfillment. But I'm like, man, can you just go out there and be positive? If you don't like a film... The answer is probably not. You can discuss the film and say, hey, why did you like... What was it that you liked? And if you don't agree, say, hey, I, I don't agree. You know, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Walk away. But no, it's got to be like this, like, wait, you're drowning? Here, let me step on your head. I'm like, oh, it's it's painful at times. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I maybe so I, two I've on the soft list. in my old age, but it's just uh, Steven Steven San Diego has a soft underbelly. <laughs> yeah, just like this kitten, Doctor Pussy. <laughs> I'm listen. We're gonna we're gonna say it until it happens. <laughs> yeah. Where right, so... in the house is Doctor <laughs> Pussy? Sorry, back to sight and sound. So yeah, incidentally, yeah, so we've two got two films list. to go. So I think at our current rate. We'll say the second one, then we'll find another tangent that takes us the rest of the podcast, and then we'll yeah. By the way, guys, next week to do the number one. This is this is segment number one. <laughs> We're doing great. It's going to be a short one tonight, folks. Uh, number oh, two, yeah. Vertigo, Alfred Hitchcock, nineteen fifty-eight. The old man, young lady stuff is weird and creepy, but otherwise, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, pick your Hitchcock, but I think a Hitchcock is very fair to have in the top five. I know. Um, think both i think both brooklyn college and stony brook in the film departments there was a requirement of you have to show a hitchcock in intro to film you can show whatever you want but you have to show a hitchcock i believe you had to show a hitchcock and citizen kane 
Go figure. <laughs> Two and three. And uh, I had someone do rear window instead, which I might go to bat for more than Vertigo. And then uh, there's Psycho. But I'm, there's no I'm a wrong big fan answer. of rear window. That's mm-hmm. my top 20. Nice. There you go. Psycho's and in my top five. See? There we go. Uh, and that doesn't even take into account lighter Hitchcock or, you know, I'm, I'm the weird guy who really likes rope. Rope but is also, great. I love North by Northwest. I mean, take your pick. The, the birds. There's so many greats. Yeah, he's he's a good one. Uh, and number one, a decision that has caused much fuss and lots of very civil debates, I'm sure. Jean Dealman, 23, Quai du Commerce, 1080, Bruxelles, by Chantal Ackerman, and ni- made 1975. Uh, yes. Yeah, I... Don't know this one. Uh, it's a real head scratcher for me, but it's I, it's, it's a clearly the biggest of swings, and I kind I of applaud the audacity there. I do think I've seen it, or at least part of it. It's a it's a film school movie. It's one of those. I think um, a friend of the podcast and former co-writer uh, Joseph Braverman said he was shown it in uh, in uh, maybe an intro class, but maybe somewhere along the line. It's a uh, Mitchell is a big f- fan of it. Yes. Mitchell Beaupre. Um Yes. And uh, those of you who, who know Mitchell, Mitchell is a person with tastes that veer closer to this. I mean, that's not a negative in any way. Like, listen, we had a lot of fun when Mitchell was on the pod because all of our tastes are so wildly divergent. But that goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. No one ever said the other person was wrong. It was great. Especially when, we, when one of us hated something the other loved. It was... We had a good time with that. So basically what you need to know, um, Miles, this movie is 201 minutes long. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, here, uh, so Wikipedia, which always is the best version of learning about something, I'll give you the plot. The film examines a widowed mother's regimented schedule of cooking, cleaning, and mothering over three days. Well, it sounds like a nonstop thrill ride to me. Over 201 death-defying minutes. Oh, she's also a hooker. Oh, well, that spices it up a little. <laughs> yeah. And then her routine uh, like unravels by the end of it. Thing okay. is, it, on, it, then, it, sounds, it sounds interesting. Um, it's just like, for me, I don't know where people have, find the time to, you know, where does this film... I mean, maybe it was in the, in the list well, before. I guess, like you said... It is literally... Before considered i think the like the movie in the realm of uh, a genre that i i struggle with which is slow cinema like it's literally the one that's like long takes minimalist style no story per se it, it it's that one think of think uh so here founders of the genre i'm just giving you guys a little little film history not not youtube but listeners who may not be aware uh, Tarkovsky, Bergman, Antonini, uh, Pasolini, Bellatar, Ackerman, the, these Andy Warhol. These are the people who the tenets of slow cinema are based on and come from. But they're not thrill runs on the list. Yes. Like that's I, that's why like under, I don't understand how this this is weighted. It was like everyone. Well, the, like, that's it. I'm, go- I'm I mean, going. I mean, so the yeah, I don't know how it's rated enough to talk about that. But so like recent 
examples they, they cite in terms of filmmakers. There's some names that I don't think people will recognize, but for example, Kelly Reichardt is a is a disciple in some ways of slow cinema. Uh, Ho Xiao Shen, uh, Lav Diaz, um, the uh, filmmaker who calls himself Joe because we just no one can pronounce his name properly, and he's very helpful to not make us do it. Um, the oh, filmmaker yeah, from Uncle you made Boon my Me. favorite movie, Memoria, which is straight up slow cinema, isn't it? There's slow and then there's so slow that you're like legitimately wondering if somebody accidentally hit the pause button. I got to tell you, I looked up the the uh, notable slow films in the most recent example, Memoria. Of course it was. Oh, my God. Stray Dogs is one of them. Oh. See, this is a great example. I absolutely despise that film because it ends with like a very long 15 minute take or something like that of people staring at a wall. Oh yeah. I couldn't and, do that. Yeah. I, I saw that at the New York film festival and I remember telling uh, John Wildman, then, then one of the head publicists there who knew it wasn't going to be my film, but loved that I gave it a shot. I jokingly, I just like fucking yelled at him. I was like, how did you do that to me? Um, there are ways to make this type of movie entertaining. Um, for example, somewhere is listed as slow cinema. I really like somewhere. The uh, the Sofia Coppola movie. I know it's not for everyone, but that's that's an example. I know it's still considered kind of a misfire by people. Um, Wendy and Lucy. Getting back to Kelly Reichardt, like the the original Solaris, you know, Stalker, Tarkovsky film. There were there were. I don't know. I it's a long way to me way of me being like. I think there are better versions of this movie you could share, but look at us. We're not going to tell people they're wrong. So I guess Sight and Sound wins. Oh, no. I don't know. That's what I wanted to do. Um, quickly, before we move on, since we, uh, we've we been hot, more highfalutin than normal, would you? Is there, a, is there a film or two that you would replace? Like, would you add to instead of going through your top ten? Is there – Steve would put Back to the Future, and I would, I would back that, that, that play. On the Waterfront, I think, would be two that – I'd be into both of those. Miles, and, is there a uh, film or two what, you would – one more, Magnolia. You know Ooh. what? Here's what we're going to do. Uh, Steve just got three. Miles, you pick three. I'll pick three, and then we'll agree on a ten, and we've made our, our better ten. Boom. <laughs> I like it. Uh, there we go. Well, I have to do my favorite film of all time, Snecked New York, which is not just my personal favorite, but I think has a lot of artistic merit and like is and worth studying. Also is a sight and sound type film. Well, exactly. You would think it would be up there, Allie. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that. Uh, I would say Psycho for my Hitchcock pick. And sure. then... Um, Remember, these are locked in. No one can argue with them. Yeah, nobody can argue with them. Um, I mean, I could be an asshole and say everything everywhere all at once, but I'm not going to quite go there yet. Um, right. Why don't we do Dog Day Afternoon? Nice. Hmm. I, I. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in Shawshank. Can't, can't not do it. I'm going to throw in Pulp Fiction. I don't think I'll get a lot nice. of push, pushback there. No. And I will... Res- so those are my first and third favorite films of all time. My second favorite is Chasing Amy. I won't do that to you guys. I was tempted to go Clerks and just lock it in. There's nothing you can do about it. But I want to uh, sway you to my side for the 10th pick. So I have two films. So I want to present to you one of them and maybe make the case that the other one could be the 10th. So I can do it either way. 
I think there should be a Mel Brooks. Okay. And I'm happy to do Young Frankenstein or Your Blazing Saddles. However, I want to leave that for the discussion. I think the, the ninth film I have to add is Almost Famous. Hmm. Okay. Hey. It's a modern take, but I I am so partial to that film. So, for the 10th pick, let's agree. I'm going to go, if we, I mean, we lean heavily, I'd say, what, 80s and forward? Maybe even... Yeah, yeah, that's why I was like, Mel Brooks is at least the 70s. Yeah, well, there's, you know, if you want to go way back, 1933, uh, King Kong. I'm always, you know, it's, it's, you know, definitely... You want to go to the Peter Jackson one? (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I do like the Peter Jackson one, actually. Uh, but, I do, too. I, I really like it. It's the second yeah. best one. But I, I I like, I mean. You don't want to go the, the, uh, uh, the 70, whatever the year was. No, we don't want that one. Uh, well, I mean, um, I, I, I watched that one on TV or. 76. Or 76. And no, I don't. I don't care for that one, actually. Yeah, I don't. It's been. It's probably been. Nobody does. 30 years. Oh, is it that bad? <laughs> It's no. been a while, so. But my thing is, uh, I mean, I don't. The nineteen thirty-three like is the one. Uh, you know, if you want to look back and 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 widen well, your scope, I guess. Um, I I like the spirit of it definitely. I I don't know that it personally has that effect for me, but I definitely get it from like a relevant standpoint. Um, if we're gonna go back, I would go back even further. If I had to pick like a more like artsy fartsy thing i would pick one that i still find very entertaining which is the cabinet of dr caligari oh yeah mm-hmm. could we also i i, I want to throw out casablanca casablanca i'm a little surprised isn't on here well i mean we could put it on our list and feel pretty good about ourselves listen i'll i'll be well in support of that no i, 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 I feel that, that too yeah it's fantastic Ooh, we did it i like it um this is the point in this episode where we're now editing dependent um, 40 minutes in that I revealed that that was part one of K Flea's question. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, awards wise, any potential lone screenplay nominations these this year, i.e. first reformed? Maybe. I don't know that I have any off the top of my head initially just because... We don't really know the way the wind is blowing quite yet, but most of the things kind of speculated as best picture plays are seen as director plays right now. Yeah, I mean, there's always the chance that Glass Onion follows in Knives Out footsteps and only gets a screenplay nod. Sure, though Janelle Monet is a possibility, a production design is a possibility. But here, going down my, my best picture lineup at the moment, Fableman's would not be just screenplay. Uh, Banshees wouldn't be just screenplay. Women Talking's Worst Days maybe is just screenplay, but I find that unlikely. Everything Everywhere All at Once will get into the acting race now. Tar will be in the acting race. Top Gun Maverick would be lucky to get into screenplay. Glass Onion's probably the one. Elvis doesn't seem like a screenplay contender in that same way. She said probably elsewhere. Frazier will get in Although, for the whale. I hate to say it, but there is a world where she said just... Like if, if it just loses all momentum and other stuff like fills up the oxygen in the room, I don't think it's sure. necessarily what will happen, but it's the kind of movie where maybe it gets shunted off to the side, maybe because Spotlight was a little too recent. Maybe. You know what's a, an interesting one? I don't know that it's going to happen, but if you want to throw out a 
a lone screenplay nominee, maybe it ends up being like the Women King. I just don't. If it does only get one nomination, which listen, it, it's lost a fair bit of steam. It's probably gonna get. It's probably get none if we're being honest. But yeah. Well, but I, I think I'd. I'd I'd see it more likely to get like a costume or production or something or even like best case scenario like Viola Davis or Lashana Lynch or someone yeah. gets in like mo- any of that more so than screenplay is my point. The what one the one song? that I would say uh, maybe song, maybe I could actually though Paul Mescal is is you know a legitimate contender of some of some note at this point. You know what the other two might be Armageddon time. Yeah, if they just decide, like, we'll let James Gray in the club, and uh, since it kind of is fallen Frankly, by at the this wayside, point, I think uh, Armageddon Time would be lucky to get just a lone screenplay nomination. Sure, it's it's. I think that one's poised to have a slight reevaluation later on in the season. It was never going to be a big player with the the early precursors we've seen so far, but I could see it um, trying to do like a second wave thing as voting's going on. Um, the other one is maybe white noise with adapted being a, a very light category this year. Yeah, I could definitely they do, see they do that. Like, <laughs> the, but I actually could fuck up Noah Baumbach in that scenario is he could get in, but also it gets a, uh, uh, song nomination. So it's not the sole nomination because the song is, is pretty, uh, pretty awesome. But that's sort of where I see that right now. We'll have a better idea of that going forward. Um, Oh, Kayfley has another answer. Uh, also, with Best Actor Seemingly Weak in quotations this year, could we get a push for an international nominee like Song Kang-ho in Broker or Felix Kammerer in All Quiet on the Western Front? I mean, maybe. I don't know that it's as weak as people say. It's just top-heavy. Like, there's a difference between weak and top-heavy for uh, for me. Yeah, well, top-heavy is like the three or four, give or take, but like... I think it's mainly that fifth that fifth slot, and to a lesser degree, the fourth slot are a bit mysterious, just because like it could be it's anyone's game, and it, somebody from a smaller thing could definitely get in. I would. Oh yeah, I see seven people right now. I would definitely. Um, I would definitely throw out uh, Park Jail for um, decision to leave. Um, sure. I would love to see that happen, uh, or either of the um, guys from RRR, of course. Uh, Daniel Jimenez uh, Gacho from Bardo. Sure. In a world where that film is better received, perhaps. I mean, not that, that movie's been oddly received. It's There's been a wide range of reactions to that, and I think it's just going to continue to kind of bounce around for people until the end. But yeah, if we if we take on face value that uh, Brendan Fraser, Austin Butler, Colin Farrell seem like they're safe, and Bill Nighy more likely than not, your fifth slot could be the likes of Paul Mescal, Tom Cruise, Adam Sandler. And because... Cruz and Sandler are such mainstream actors. There's that extra skepticism that makes you look closer at Mezcal, makes you think about a Gabriel LaBelle and the Fablemans, makes you think about a Diego Calva and Babylon. Unfortunately, makes you think about a Hugh Jackman in The Sun. Oh, boy. Um, but maybe opens up, honestly, the first couple of reviews for A Man Called Otto have been solid. Like, maybe I, Tom Hanks is hanging around. I'm not going to lie. After seeing that early word, and especially at, after the trailer... I, he might move into my five just for like lack of other options. Yeah, I think I'm going to see it on Monday, so I will have a better idea then. But yeah, we'll see. That's uh, that's sort of where we're at there. Um, let's talk about some recent movies before we do the uh, the other question that we have um, this week. So I'll do one of the two that I've seen. Let's start with Avatar, since that's probably the the one people are most curious about. Avatar: The Way of Water. Uh, I think the first Avatar is fine. 
Miles, you revisited it during the re-release, right? Yeah. Um, You like it, right? I do. I think it's, you know, obviously a little, its reputation maybe precedes it a bit too much. But um, Hmm. I do think it, the visual spectacle of it is sensational. I think there's a sincerity to the storytelling that, like, reminds you why James Cameron is so good at this thing. But I do think that the sort of, you know, bog standard stereotypes of the screenplay are fair to point out. I do think it's way too long and fuck 3D glasses forever. Well, (laughs) welcome to the way of water, um, which is too long. The screenplay is a James Cameron screenplay. So make of that what you will. And, uh, there is a 3D element to the film. Also high frame rate. So welcome to that as well. But here's what I'll say. I think this is a better movie. I think uh, just on a technical level, it is a, a stunning visual achievement. There are there are some close-ups. And obviously, Miles is not going to see it in 3D for reasons he's mentioned on online and can mention here if he'd like as well. But it's, you know, watching it with the high frame rate in 3D, there are, there are moments... Where, you know, even the best visual effects, we kind of still have that very slight realization in the back of your head that you're not watching something real. He comes really damn close to making you forget about it at times in this one. It really might be the the biggest technical visual achievement I've ever seen. Uh, and he actually pays attention to some character development here. It's not the most full of depth you've ever seen. He's also this time cribbing off of every one of his movies. There's a third act. The third act is phenomenal. But the third act, a good portion of it is the third act of Titanic. Like, to the point where if it wasn't made by him, you'd be like, boy, this this filmmaker loves Jim Cameron. Hmm. Um, not that Jim Cameron doesn't love Jim Cameron. Um, but it, it, it starts off mostly good. The, the middle is a little, like, that's where the fat is. And it's also where it gets a little, little crunchy with the... Uh, relationship with the earth but like that's inherent in avatar at this point the first one we know was pocahontas dances with fern gully this one is is doing a bit more but i i you know i said it in my tweet like we probably shouldn't bet against cameron like damn if i don't kind of want to go back to pandora like i'm i'm in for avatar 3 and i didn't care in the slightest i kind of went in like i wasn't fighting the movie in any way but i i was tired i was annoyed about something I was I honestly had a place I'd rather be at that moment. I was I was doing something before the screening where I was like, I would much rather be here. Um, but I had a blast with it, you know, flaws aside and, and three hour plus movies. I'm in my mid 30s. I have to go pee by the end of it. But I had a damn good time with it overall. Here's my Steve, how do you feel about Avatar? Yeah, go ahead. Um, Avatar. I saw it. I enjoyed it. And I forgot about it. Uh, besides yeah, same. the box office it was it was it was a good movie it was just you know it it, it it was what it was and the idea of it them coming out with two three four and five or whatever the numbers are um i always question like who's the audience because i don't know anyone who talks about avatar i know i know people who talk about <coughs> crummy horror films and but avatar rarely if ever comes up i actually honestly I don't recall it ever coming up. So, but you know what? Cameron knows what he's doing. He knows how to make a spectacle. Um, he knows how to 
you know, build an audience. He's got the money. He's got the the clout. So fantastic. Mm-hmm. And if people want to enjoy it, great. I, I, I'm going to go see it. I, I just don't, you know, I just, I don't care. Um, yeah. But I, I, but I'm curious to see because I know I heard, I have read over the last few days about uh, the technical aspect of it, um, which has me curious because that's the thing. The first time, you know, 3D at that point, previous 3D was uh, pretty low tech. That was the kind of the 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 doors being opened to the the more modern version of 3D. Um, so, you know. I mean, it's got an you know, amazing cast, James Cameron, uh, incredible technology, I guess. And uh, I'll go see it, but it is what it is. That's fair. Um, there was something about watching it with the the high frame rate and all that. Like, he's he's cracked the, and the 3D. I feel like he's cracked the code on some of it. Um, like, I didn't get a headache. And I remember well, distinctly Billy Lynn just being like, besides being a very man movie, like just making me not feel good watching it, you know? I think he went a variable, a variable uh, yes. frame rate. Which which is the only thing about it that I I think, will, I, I don't know, device is not even the right word, but like I had, I had a, a colleague of mine. I won't identify who they are because it's up to them if they want to talk about what they like or dislike about the movie. But ask me if I if I had a problem with the editing as well. And I think there's some, and I don't, and they were like they thought it was kind of like incomprehensible at times. And I don't think it's that, but I think because the movie vacillates between the um, the presentation of the footage like that, that there are times where it's a very jarring cut because you're no longer in a higher frame rate. And as we, as we know, cinema is a uh, optical illusion. So I think your brain just kind of like very, very lightly has to reboot every time it changes. And, and it's, it's a little bit of a adjustment period, at least early on when it's, when it's doing that, it's, it's basically just like asking you to watch something in, in several different manners. One, one thing real quick, let me be fair. Um, I do want to see the film. I yes. have an opportunity to go see it on Monday and I'm trying my best to make it work. So it's not as if I'm like, you know, just like, uh, who, you know, totally do not care. I, I, I enjoyed, like I said, I enjoyed the first time around. It's been a long time. Um, and, you know, maybe I forgot and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But it's not, it's also not a race out must see in the, in the cinema. Uh you know, from what I'm hearing, it's it's been getting some really positive buzz, which is surprising because I thought oh, yeah, a uh, friend pounce on it. Friend and of ours, haven't. no, friend of ours, Mark Johnson's that's his favorite movie of the year. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah. I I'm, I'm not going that far, but like I'm at, I'm at three and a half stars. Yeah, that's pretty damn strong. Uh, before the we, thing is, so, yeah, so we'll, is we'll, the, the technical. If if the film was if the the storyline. And the characters were just completely bland. How much of the technical aspect of it is uh, elevates it to something? You know, is it is it like a, uh, a Universal Studios ride that where you're like, you know? Oh, I, I describe it as a but, theme park ride. It's a, right. it's a very very good theme park ride. 
Okay. Like it's taking you on an adventure. And is and I think if you allow yourself to go on the adventure, you'll have a good time with it. All the all the things that are that are lesser James Cameron are still there, but the dude does know how to entertain you. And whether you take that as the height of cinema or uh, a theme park gimmick, like as long as you're open to the entertainment, it is entertaining. Well, I am, so. Yeah. Um, See if it can squeeze. We'll come back to it um, after we've everyone's seen it. I don't know exactly when that'll be with uh, schedules, but we'll come back to it, obviously. Um, Miles, what, what was your take on it? Do you, are you? Yeah, I wanted I wanted I wanted Miles to talk about his uh, 3D frame rate situation. Oh okay. yeah, I mean I don't like the. I, I've seen one high frame rate movie ever, and it was the second Hobbit movie. And let's just say I've never seen the third Hobbit movie. Um, well, that was also a bad movie and bad presentation. Yeah, but um, so I can't really speak to that until I see it. But I did the 3D for the re-release of the first one, and I'm sorry, but I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm just not ever going to do it again. I don't get like until they make it glasses free at the very least, which who knows if that'll ever happen. Um, it's just it's nauseating for me. It, it takes me out of the movie like and I was trying to get into it. I was really wanting to get into it. But the entire time I'm watching it, I'm distracted by it. And I think yeah. that ultimately is a disservice to the film as a film. Um, and you know, my poor wife, Kelly, like I didn't realize until after we got out of the movie, like, you know, she wears glasses. She has some side issues. She literally can't see the movie with the 3d glasses on. Like, it's just, it's just nothing to her. It's just visual noise. And for three hours, that's a big ask. So yeah, I'm a little annoyed that there's no IMAX 2d options anywhere. Like, I think that's kind of fucked up and you know, everyone's saying it's an essential part of the experience. I'm sorry, but I call bullshit. I think yeah, I'm sure it, there's a way to watch it. If that is like, oh yeah, we'll we'll probably just have to see it regular, which is kind of disappointing. You might but, actually. There's no 2D. Uh, there's no, no 2D already, um, 4K or like uh, variable frame rate presentation. No, nothing. All right, whatever. Well, actually, none none of the ones near me have any choices in regards to the frame rate. It's only IMAX 3D or 2D. When it comes they, to they, a film, they, they might not, it, they might it not have not the projectors. Matter. Yeah. If you watch it on a on your phone or if you watch it on IMAX and 3D, in the end, well, time time. It, there, I mean, I, I understand that there there's something you know to uh, an aspect of of it that you're going to enjoy more if you have the 3D experience and so and such. But when it comes down to it, character, story, and all that other that's that's what matters and. So that's what always like bothered me about this is like well no one ever talked about how great of a film it was it's a, it's just like oh the 3D was awesome and I'm like mm-hmm. you know I'm talking about the original so yeah. when it comes down to it do I do I need to be in the in the best theater in the best seat with the you know the best uh, uh, equipment so, so on and so forth in order to enjoy it if I do then. Is it a great film? No, it's an it's an experience, and that, to me, that, that doesn't draw me in. Just like with a lot of animation, people always talk about, "Oh, the animation's amazing," and we're going to discuss this. I, I think we'll get into this, but Next. Pinocchio, it did not uh, things like that. I'm like, it, it. I I forget about what I'm watching. I'm so wrapped up in the characters and in the story and in the emotion, and if I'm just sitting there watching a technical uh, reel, then 
I have, I have very little interest. And I've felt that well, way well, for years when people like get would be like, you know, uh, they'd be flipping over, you know, uh, head over heels over a, uh, a Pixar film. Like, yeah, but you're talking about a technical aspect of it. You're not talking about the film itself. Because twenty years from now, and and it, and time is proven to be correct, that uh, that doesn't matter. It it does not mm. hold up. Just like when you saw King Kong, not you or any of us, but King Kong nineteen thirty three. Uh, you don't look at it now. And you say, well, why do you like the film? It's not because you say the the technical, or it, it's not that it's not that aspect of it. It's it's the uh, you know it's the story. It's the characters. It's everything else. There's there's more to it than just the the technical side of it so that's sure. where like this like and and cameron goes off and talks about it as if you know you you'll be amazed with what, what you see and i'm like i don't care i'm like I, if i can watch to my phone and have a very similar experience that's that's a great film if i need to be in imax row four 3d glasses on you know uh, whatever surround sound system they have going these days then uh you know we'll, we'll see how it ages in in five years 10 years 20 years and i think that's why avatar does not get talked about because in the theater it was a great experience when you watched it on hbo yeah it's an okay film so i'm sorry i shall stop my fair enough after, well, after, let's, we, let's, let's, after we discuss not pouncing on films, but you know, no, let's, uh, let's use that as a transition to, uh, to talk about Pinocchio. Um, since everyone has seen Pinocchio, um, Steve, why don't you, why don't you give us a little bit about Pinocchio and then miles can chime in. I like Pinocchio. There you go. No, I, uh, I really did. I, enjoyed uh, I, it. I mean, I was, I was surprised. Yeah. Um, you know, Pinocchio for me, is one of the most the original Pinocchio, the the Disney Pinocchio, is one of the most haunting films I've ever seen. Um, so I'm always hesitant to like. I never watched the most recent, the Zemeckis version, um, and I despised the one that came out a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, like it's just it's not a story I like. It 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 truly literally haunted me i had nightmares about the the boys turning into donkeys and uh mid-sentence starting hee-hawing in 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 pinocchio's face so um mm. when this came about i was like i, I didn't know what version they're going to tell and that's not one that. of the things no no not that and that's the thing it's like first very quickly you realize this is not the pinocchio you know so i was able to cast aside all that and just sit down and watch and uh and see where uh Guillermo del Toro took you and um and I didn't know honestly I didn't know it was a musical either and mm -hmm. it breaks into song and I was like hmm, you know this is pleasant and uh but then it becomes very dark and and maintains a a, a darkness throughout which really works for it because the darkness allows the more heartfelt uh, moving moments to really impact you, uh, and that, and that's the thing is like I I'm, I was surprised. That's the thing. I was overall I was surprised as to um, 
you know, the scope, emotional scope that it had and how well it was done. And then technically there's so much going on that, you know, and, and I, I, I rarely, if ever thought about what was going on on screen and how they created this, but uh, because I was so lost in and everything else that was going on. And usually I would, I'm hesitant to recommend animation, especially something like this. Pinocchio feels like, well, of course I've seen it. It's familiar, but it's not. And I think I'm hoping a wider audience finds us and this becomes something that is not just becomes a niche thing because, uh, I don't Del Toro, he amazes me that he takes such big swings. And it's like, this is not something that they turn they turned around in a year or two. This is like a decade of his life. And, uh, this was uh, six years of filming. Six years of filming. But before that, I think it was in development hell. And it was... Uh, oh, and it was yeah. a passion project of his for even longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but... It's, to go out there and not just and he doesn't play it safe at all, and and I I loved it. That's that's what it comes down to. So right. I'm sure Miles will wrap it up in in two sentences and be much more uh, succinct about it. But I did enjoy it. Well, he announced in 2008 he was going to make it as his next film. Yeah, there you go. So 14 years later, and I was hey. I was curious. I, I I watched it with my daughters as I always often do. And uh, I was wondering when it finished, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm choked up and I was like, you know, thinking how beautiful that was. And I was wondering, did my kids like it? And my daughter's like, that was so good. I was like, that's, that's what's amazing is it's not, you know, it, it does speak to, you know, we got 30 years between us, 30 plus years, I think. And, uh, you know, to reach, to tell a story and 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 there's also a very layered story. This isn't just, you know, about a boy. This is about a, a father, and a, a father who is learning to be a father, and 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 loss and grief and fascism and so many different aspects of it that are combined. But you don't think about that. You just sit back and enjoy the ride. And uh, yeah, it's just I mean, it's one of my favorite films of the year for sure. Mm. Cool. Miles, take over. Uh, well, that's a pretty good transition for me because as longtime listeners or anyone who follows me on Twitter may know, uh, I've had the same top three of the year since April. Uh, and uh, now that we're in December, I was fully expecting to end the year with the same top three intact. Uh, so it says a lot about Pinocchio that um, I walked out of the theater and immediately put it in that top three. Um, it's a masterpiece. It's phenomenal. It's like to call it the best animated film of the year is a massive understatement and really sells it short, even though it is, and there's no contest. Um, I mean, Guillermo del Toro, I think is one of the most interesting filmmakers that's been working in the past 20 years and has a body of work to bear that out. And he always makes interesting choices. And even if some of his films are definitely not as good as others, there's always at least interesting choices happening in them. And, you know, he's a master storyteller, a master stylist. And, you know, the title 
of this version, you know, actually reads in most places Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And I think that's Mm -hmm. accurate because it is very much filtered through his sensibilities. He's got that certain, you know, very gross and grimy and tactile sort of aesthetic that he works with a lot. Uh, A lot of the themes about fathers and sons and, you know, all, all this fantastical stuff that, you know, we now see as hallmarks of his work. It's here completely. Uh, like Steve said, it's a technical marvel. It's, you know, you are wrapped up in the story while you're watching it, but you look back and like, how did they pull some of that stuff off? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really impressive on that level. But it's also like, there's so much going on from a story level, from a thematic level. You know, there's a lot more, you know, <laughs> scenes in fascist boot camps than you would normally expect from your Pinocchio story. Um, Or children's cinema in general. Yeah, exactly. But it's fascinating because I do still feel like, and, you know, Steve just attested to this, it can still play for kids. It's much more mature than they're probably used to in this day and age. But, like, a child could watch this and get it. And I think there's, Mm -hmm. you know, headier concerns that play more towards the adult audience. But I think he, he doesn't over-stylize it to the point where he loses the heart of the story. And that's what I think is really what sets this above. You know, the musical numbers are fantastic. The allegories are great. The voice cast is all brilliant. Like, everything about it works. But beyond that, it's a story that, like, really gets at the heartstrings. And, you know, the last, like, 10 to 15 minutes or so are like, man, they're brutal. Like, Yeah, that's, like, that's where it finally won me over. It's it's a real like it's less of a gut punch and more of a stab, honestly, like it really wrecked me. Um, And it but it it ties all the themes together so beautifully. And I think Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that sort of, you know, going back to our sight and sound discussion, really, it's what separates the technical achievements as like a cold calculated thing from being like a work of art. And this is a work of art. This is something that takes all the different ingredients that make a film possible and sort of string them together to create something new and different and interesting. But at the same time, it also feels timeless and well, that for is sure. no easy feat. And only a master filmmaker like Del Toro could pull something like that off. Let me say two real quick things. One, I think the themes that are, that are brought up and it, it plays on many different levels. So I think I read it completely different than my daughters did as a father but also as you know with the political themes that are are, are brought up but i think mm-hmm. it opens a door to have the conversations why you know why is this man acting this way why you know so i, I which is very important I, I instead of pussyfooting around not dr pussyfoot dr um, pussyfooting around yeah. <laughs> is it true is it true that dr pussy is your next attempt at being a father no no based on the film yeah I, I, actually she, you did you didn't grow her in the yard no, I did. Uh, uh, we'll discuss that later. But real quick, before I lose my train of thought, <laughs> the um, the I think the best films are the ones you know, f- uh, family films are the ones that have you talking. Um, and my three favorites of the last three years have been uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines, Wolf Walkers, and this. And they are not uh, one dimensional. You know, there's there's so much to them, and I think as my you know as i watch them again i think that I'll, I'll i'll explore this in a different ways and appreciate it in different ways but also will 
you know, my kids and the younger generation who will have questions and see it like, oh, wait, when I watched it the first time, it was about a boy and his dad and a kid made of wood. But there's so much more. And I think that's what's, um, you know, the sight and sound uh, conversation. I think something like this feels timeless. It, it could have been made, maybe technically not, it could have been made 30, 40, 50 years ago. It could be made 20 years in the future. But it's always going to feel like it was made for you then because it speaks in so many different levels. It hits and, and speaks to so many different levels. Um, and that's what amazed me most was just how much uh, it, it felt of the now. But yet I'm like, if someone told me this was 20, 30 years old, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, if the, mm. the, you told me this was made across the, the, the globe in a different country and it was dubbed in English, yet the themes connected, I wouldn't doubt it either. It, you know, it's, it's got this universality. I don't know if that's a word. Uh, universality. Universality. Thank you. That um, that makes it special, and uh, you know, I I, it, I was really just impressed how much it impressed me. Fair enough. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I, I think those last ten minutes or so really like raised the bar for me after enjoying it, but maybe for to some degree wondering why everyone loved it so much. But yeah, it, it hammered it home. Um, also, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it, it didn't hurt to. Uh, have been invited last week. Not that it impacted my enjoyment of the film, but it made me appreciate the work that went in. Um, I went to a, a dinner event with Del Toro and um, Mark Gustafson, the the directors, and it was a very, very small, very, very like meant to be casual. Like we literally sat and had a meal while we talked and talked about other things. Like we talked, you know, Del Toro was video games. We talked about video games, but when he would talk about the stuff, he would get very passionate, but in a in a like. There, you know, there's a way that like sometimes a filmmaker's passionate that you're like, dude, you make movies, you should just be happy you get to do it. This is a this is a guy who you could tell is doing the thing he loves, and is just happy to share it with you. It's the opposite of pretentious, you know. Which is which I don't know that it makes me want to reevaluate some of his stuff because I like some of his movies. I don't like some of his movies, but I can safely say I like the man. Now that I've you know interacted with him, you know we have we have a surprisingly similar sense of humor, which I found pretty funny. Um, at a somewhat buttoned up event, we were the only two and listen, it's his movie. He can do whatever he wants. He was taking, they had the, the Pinocchio, um, marionette, he, you know, that they were, they take it with them to these events so you can, they can show you what they were working with. And he was handing it to me. And I, and I was like, You're, I'm going to break this. Like you should probably shouldn't hand this to me, but we were the only ones who were making him do anything dirty. Like he made it, he made Pinocchio give everyone the finger. <laughs> and I was like, this is, and I was like, all right, I can play with it. And I had to make put like his finger in his mouth and like he's chuckling and everyone's confused. But like there's something about that where you're like, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to reevaluate your stuff, but I'm, I'm thrilled that this movie is getting the reception it's getting as opposed to like maybe the indifference of a filmmaker. You, you're, you slightly more have shrugged off in the past. I mean, everything you guys said about the movie is right. Uh, I just don't have it quite as high as you guys, but. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that diverse of opinion, as we've uh, established earlier in the episode. Yeah. Sadly, I was supposed to go to the red carpet yesterday, and yes, I was excited. You know, I, I've spoken with Guillermo uh, before. I actually, got oh, he's to, a lovely man to talk to. I got to play a joke on him about he was discussing uh, Better Call Saul, and I pretended I had not seen it. And he's like, he was very apologetic, and I'm like, no, I, I, I saw it. And but uh, 
He does. So he does laugh. like when you play a joke. Well, he does like when you make a when you when you like take the piss out of him a little bit. I was. Yeah, yeah. I was quite happy that he was like, yeah, no, like talk to me like I'm a person. We that's had a, a, that's what we it got was. to do. Very human. Oh yeah, no, there's you know there's a very so very nice. human. My favorite part, without getting into details, because I don't know how much of what he was telling me was meant for, you know, the whole world to know slash just me. But I love that when he doesn't like someone, like he talked about mimic a little bit and how much you know the wine scenes sucked, especially Bob at the time. He calls them fucks, and I just love that. Yeah, it's just like. Oh, that fuck. It's like, it's such a very specific, very like personable way of describing your distaste for someone. But go ahead. Yeah, you were supposed to be at the thing. I was on Pandora, so I couldn't uh, be there. Yeah, I was gonna, supposed to take my daughter and I got permission to bring her. And I was like, she loved it so much. But she also enjoyed uh, Troll Hunters and the, uh, the Arcadia series he put out on Netflix. And I was like, it'll be cool because he would appreciate because I don't care. I, you know, and when I'm at these events... <laughs> I, 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 I'm more about the passion of it. And I'm like, you know what? If you don't connect on the passion, my passion for your work, then like, I don't really care who you are or what you are. It's like, it doesn't matter. So I figured I was going to let her speak and she was preparing questions and she came down with a fever and I'm like, you know, I, we just couldn't go. I'm like, God, man, I, I just think for some reason, like out of all the people out there, he would be one of the top who would yeah. connect with a kid. And, and would listen to her, actually listen to what she had to say about it. And I was like, damn it. You know, I don't know. Bums me out. But totally. Also, also we have to cut food. all this out because I, I can't have you doing trial labor on my website. No, no, no. She wasn't working. She was going. <laughs> she was. The- I don't know. Miles, didn't it sound like he was putting her to work at the premiere? No. Well, you know, here's I mean, the funny you thing. Know, you can definitely mine content from that. There here's the go. funny thing. I was I was saying I was at, telling her I'm like I'm thinking I'll, I'll ask him about this and she's like well I have I was gonna sit, ask him this I was like wait hold on first of all I didn't give you is she editing or, you <laughs> but what was that she's editing you yeah well no she had her own questions and like she she went to school and she's like well I have a few questions but I'm gonna ask and I'm like wow all right fantastic how old, how it, old is my my newest writer she's she's twelve. Just turned twelve oh. uh, two weeks ago. All right, it's an, it's an, it you know what? It never you know happened, what? So. I I fixed this. We all knew this ahead of time before the podcast started. It's an internship. Oh, wonderful, unpaid. All right, uh, we solved that. Excellent. All right, um, I will let her Pinoc- know. Pinocchio, Pinoc- very happy. Yes, Pinocchio. Maybe someday she'll get that opportunity to speak to to Guillermo. Yeah, but uh, there you go. If you're listening, um, uh, my daughter loved it. So, I I mean he I. I it would be very interesting if he was. Um, yeah, no, um, on Netflix uh, tomorrow as you're listening to this. So that will be uh, very exciting for people. And we can maybe, if someone has a, I'm sure next week we'll have a Pinocchio related question. So we'll, we'll jump back to it then. Um, you both have seen something, uh, pre- well, actually, Steve, you saw something, you caught up on something that was two things that are related to the award season. Why don't you quickly touch on those? And then St- Miles saw something on the other end of the spectrum that he enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, what did I mention? You saw oh, yeah. a, um, a sports-related film. Oh yeah, Hustle. Yeah. There you go. And yeah, yeah. And you saw a uh, Southern character study. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Hustle. And I, I, well, I'm a basketball coach, so uh, anything basketball-related at least gets my attention. But this one held it, and I. I had a quite a great time with this, and the, coincidentally, I was at the Gotham Awards, and Adam Sandler was there, 
collecting his award for it was a special achievement yeah and yeah whatever it was but he was there and i was like hey adam uh i just want to let you know you know a i I really enjoyed hustle it was great I, i recommended it to my players on my team and he asked me where i where i coach and i said but funny thing is most of them had watched it already, even though they're way too young to watch it. And the language is like probably five, six years. Uh, yeah, at least, well, at least in my conservative uh, ways um, above them. But he was really cool about it. And I talked to the the Safety brothers and they were like, they heard me talking to him. And he's like, man, that, that's a great film. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something, I don't know. There's something that's really awesome about it. I know Joe gets a lot of opportunities to do this, but to watch a film and then 24 hours later <clears throat> excuse me 24 hours later get to speak to somebody who was so directly connected to making it happen and you know it's it's something i i, I love about film because even 10 years from now i can bring up hustle which uh, spoiler alert uh, i know joey had spoken with uh, brendan frazier and mentioned uh, a blast from his past and yes, had a, a, an emotional connection, and I'm like, that's I, I, I don't. That's what I, I. That's why I'm here. I'm not here because for any kind of career, you know. Uh, oh no, you're on a sinking ship here. We're not. Uh, we're not advancing. Yeah, yeah. Well, career. I'm here paddling as hard as I can, but I'm not here for any other reason. There's no gold at the end of the rainbow. It's actually, I don't know why we just said that. We we brought up Mitchell like 20 minutes ago, and then they clearly went above and beyond what we were doing so it's the exact opposite go figure no no i mean i mean well if you want to speak the truth we tease we're, do, we're doing fine and, and, and awards radar is yeah. is a fantastic uh site and i and but it creates these opportunities for me to go hey adam and fist bump adam sandler and talk to him about hustle and i you know i finished that film last uh a week and a half ago and when as soon as it finished up i was ta- i turned to my wife and said Man, that was good. She goes, yeah, it was. And I'm like, you know, very simple. Not even Cisco and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down. But yeah, I was I about to that. say that was that was not the most illuminating back and forth I've ever heard. No, no, but I'm like, that's that's what it comes down to. I'm like, you, you, there's a, a an emotion it creates, and I could feel the shared emotion. And then I get to talk to Adam Sandler about it the next day, and and he was really cool. And, uh, yeah, I don't know when you, uh, when you sit down and get to watch a good film and then speak to the people who made it, it's, uh, I don't know. There's something about it that will cement it in my memory forever. And that's one of the films. Sure. Um, and on a film I had not spoken to anybody about, but would love to is, uh, Causeway with, uh, Brian Tyree Henry and Jennifer Lawrence and up and, uh, up and comer that jennifer lawrence yeah you may have heard of her she was in a small film a few years ago passengers a whole bunch of big ones um but yeah i i enjoy that as well it's a very different film it's a very slow and you know contemplative just sit back and sit in the room with these characters and, you know it's i wouldn't say it's a character study but um i didn't know what to expect because Jennifer Lawrence's career with, uh, what's it called? Um, Bones. Hunger Games? Uh, no, no. Before that. Winter Bone. Winter's Bone? Winter's, Winter's yeah. Bone. Yeah. I'm terrible with names. Any name. 
Um, Dr. Pussy. And, and then where, <laughs> and that film she did that no one talks about any longer, but no, between there and, and now, you know, she's done so many different types of, of genres and, uh, and, and characters, but, this brings her back to where kind of where I f- had first learned of her, and mm-hmm. I, I think it it uh, taps into you know the actress that I think is the the, the type of performance that's going to carry her on for for decades because she is a, she is a great actress. You know when you get in, involved with an X Men franchise or uh, you know the uh, the Hunger Games. It's very easy to dismiss somebody as, you know, just a, a, a temporary f- kind of flash in the pan type. But she's got more to her, and uh, Brian yeah. Tyree Henry is, is fantastic, and he's he's one of the more underappreciated. I know there's an audience for him in the film community, but I think uh, I, I I feel that he's one of those actors that eventually is going to be respected by a wider audience and he deserves it because both of them in a, in a quieter film deliver, uh, you know, just something that kind of hits home. It's not that, that, that feels real. It doesn't feel like they're trying to win an Oscar. It, it's just, mm. you know, there's something that kind of natural to it. So, uh, sure. I, I highly um, recommend it. Totally. I, I liked it quite a bit too. Talking about, um, various uh, genres that someone played in miles you saw a very uh, specifically genre effort a couple days ago uh that was that was a loose connection but we'll go with it i mean do you do you have a better do you have a better one no uh i didn't think so i saw violent night which is very much on the opposite end of the spectrum um and it is exactly what i wanted it to be which is basically john wick santa claus uh, but what I was not expecting is that it's actually quite a good Christmas film and it actually mm. has like those feel good moments and, you know, kind of gives you a little bit of holiday holiday cheer by the time it's done. But you also get to watch David Harbour beat the ever loving snot out of some goons. Um, so I think it's definitely going to be a holiday classic in the future. And, uh, you know, it's listen, if this is a movie that you want to see, it's going to. I think scratch that itch for you for sure. There's not like a ton to say about it, but it's just, it's a lot of fun. I I would say this is probably one of my favorite ever movie versions of Santa Claus. Um, they give him a very interesting backstory of sorts. More um, interesting than the Santa Claus. considerably more interesting. Yes. Have you considered I, the Santa Claus recently? I try to consider it as little as possible in my day to day life. Well, there's now the Disney, thinking, Disney Plus film or a series called The Santa Claus. Series, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that movie is based on the concept that if Santa Claus dies or is murdered, just is no longer alive, the person who finds him is now Santa Claus. So well, I thought it was the person who kills him because that's pretty much what I mean, essentially. It, well, I mean, the note says put on the suit, the reindeer will know the rest. So, like, uh, go with me for a second on this. This is this is a very different movie. What if Santa Claus is killed by like a pedophile? Oh, jeez! Suddenly Santa Claus is a pedophile with a list of every child in the world. And if they're naughty or nice, like the movie posits that that is possible. How long have you thought about this? <laughs> uh, since it was on TV last Saturday. 
what if it, when I was like, it's almost like this kid's Santa movie doesn't have the most airtight logic in its script. Oh, boy. That sounded like Kevin Spicy chiming in for a second. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he, he called in from... He heard, he heard pedophile and he was I, like, I was, ah, going, I was going for Mr. Plinkett, so <laughs> that back... I, I know. But it was it was apt that he was like, ooh, take over the body of Santa Claus and find children, eh? I'm listening. Oh, okay. uh, but no, it's... You're, you are right. It is... Uh, it was not gone over with a fine tooth comb, but that way. Miles, quick question. But yes, what, Violent Night. Did you Go like ahead. Bad Santa? No. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Mm. That was a very, very thorough no. Yeah. I, it's it was... one of those movies that everybody in my entire life has told me what a masterpiece it is, and I just think it sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't whatever. like anything about it. Because <laughs> It's it, fine. It, it, you know what? There's a certain amount of heart to that. Where that's what I was wondering what the connection like if there was Uh, I I would say I mean this is just my personal taste but I I, I know what you're talking about but I would say Violent Night is maybe more successful in those heartfelt moments than Band Santa was for me at least. That's good because I it seemed like a film I would want to see but I wasn't sure if I'd want to like bring my wife to go see it. She actually just recently brought up watching Bad Santa again because she really loves it so I was like, well, I don't know if it, you know, where this is going to fall. So it's it's interesting. I, I didn't expect there to be any help, heartfelt moments. I expected to be more action and, you know, more of the comedy uh, and it, writing. It, it finds a good it finds a good balance between them. I will say it okay. is very gory. Like if she nice. has any issues with like extreme violence on film, no. they definitely they definitely push it. No, she's fine with that. It's it's it comes down to. You know, for for us in general, it's like, is it going to haunt your dreams? You know, gore is gore, but if it's something that you're like, you're gonna think like, okay, I'm worried about my family now, which I, it doesn't sound like it goes down that route. No, it's it, there's a lot of violence in it, but it's all played quite fantastical. I mean, yeah. right. some of the like bodily mutilation is there, but like it's it's all delivered in a very ma- magical way. It sounds like a holly jolly, uh, wonderful Christmas film. So I'm in. Nice. Awesome. Um, before we wrap up, we have two things to do. I have one movie to talk about. But first, let's quickly do Ryan McDermott's film, Hulk Face Off. Ewan McGregor films, just like Pinocchio. Um, we don't have to talk a ton about them unless you're particularly passionate about one of them. Several of these we've talked about recently for one reason or another. Uh, Train Spotting or Velvet Goldmine. Uh, Velvet Goldmine is fine, but I don't have strong memories about it one way or another uh train spotting is brilliant and is a classic for a reason steve uh train spotting of course it's a sweep on train spotting go figure um t2 train spotting too anyone no it's, it's not, not bad it's not good. no it's, it's not fine. bad no that's all right it's a weird sequel in that I, I they had a the novel sequel i thought would have been a more interesting one to do but also i guess the time had passed on that one uh, but you know who's to say there uh, Moulin Rouge or Black Hawk Down oh yeah he is a Black Hawk Down isn't he yes. um, I think Milan, or Milan, Moulin Rouge is much more <laughs> M- Moulin Rouge you're getting a lot more if you're going for Ewan McGregor uh, yes. whereas he's very much just part of the ensemble in Black Hawk Down but I think <sighs> I mean, Black Hawk Down is really good, but Moulin Rouge is great, too. It's the only good Baz Luhrmann film. I might go mm-hmm. Moulin Rouge. All right. Steve? Yeah, I'm going Moulin Rouge. I mean, it, it's 
it, it does what it wants to do. It knew the assignment and it, it, it nailed sure. it. So. Uh, Kendall is screaming Moulin Rouge from New Jersey. Um, but I'm going Black Hawk I Down. Her. Yeah. Uh, Moulin Rouge is definitely the better uh, McGregor performance, but Black Hawk Down, I think, is a, is a better movie. The Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones? Seriously? <laughs> that was the next one. Uh, Phantom Menace, because Attack of the Clones is the worst Star Wars movie. Mm. Uh, it may be the worst Star Wars movie, or close to it, but uh, Ewan McGregor is more tolerable in uh, the Attack of the Clones. The yeah, Phantom Menace is. Eesh. I mean, they're it's pretty cringy. They're both different degrees of eesh. Let's be let's be clear here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, not saying the film. I mean, just mean if you're going you and McGregor, I I would go. No, I, I I agree with that. Attack of the Clones, he gets a little detective story where everyone explains the plot yeah. to him. It's great. Is sure. is that the one? Uh, which one does he jump out the window? Is that uh, that's Attack that of one. the Clones. Yep. Attack of the Clones is the one with uh, with the immortal uh, Dexter Jetster. Yeah, okay. the character who's always used as an example of forgettable Star Wars characters, yet is the one Star Wars character none of us can forget. <laughs> yeah, because in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, he ran a 60s designer. Why not? Yeah, why not indeed? <laughs> I guess Phantom Menace, whatever. Uh, big Fish or Beginners? Hmm. Um, I like Beginners, but I don't love it. Uh, Big yeah. Fish, I think, is brilliant. Steve? Um, I'm going to go Big Fish. I mean, yeah, definitely Big Fish. Yeah, it's a, it's a sweep. It's one of the only Tim Burton movies I like. What? Oh, yeah, I'm not that. a big Tim Burton person. Oh, I would. I There's probably only a couple. You know, I like, like Edward, Edward Scissorhands? Meh. What? Oh. It's fine, but it's not my favorite. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I literally think it's probably Big Fish, Batman, Frankenweenie. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah I, I'm like not Jordan's. a big Tim Burton fan. Fine, close it. Edward Scissorhands range. Oh, Ed Wood. That's the other one I like. Ed Wood's oh, my yeah. favorite. Uh, big Fish, then Ed Wood. Those top two, then Batman. Oh. Um, the Impossible. Or August Osage County. I had a brain fart where I forgot who we were talking about. Uh, who's in the because there's like, McGregor. Well, because there's like three actors in The Impossible. Um, True. Or August Osage. Uh, it's The Impossible for sure. That movie's tense and really gripping and brilliant, and he's solid in it. And August Osage County is just a lot of overqualified actors screaming at each other. Sure. Um. I didn't like the latter. I don't know the former. Um, it's the one with the Naomi Watts and oh, Tom Allen, right? Wait, yeah, it's the it's the tsunami film. The tsunami. The oh no, film. no, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the impossible. Yeah, the impossible. That sure. changed quickly. Uh, yeah, it's a sweep on the impossible. I totally forgot uh, the I, name of that film. Well, we're, we we we're we found do... the unifier on the podcast. It's even McGregor films. Yeah, the uh, we're about to hit the most forgettable of films. Maybe we've ever done on one of these lists. Ryan, congrats, Christopher Robin, or Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. It's funny that he's in the two of those, yet he's not in the Disney Pinocchio. Yeah, 
Um, Christopher Robin really could have been something. For sure. Um, but it just doesn't, the story's just not there. Um, Beauty and the Beast is better than it has any right to be, but that's not saying much. I guess I'll go with Beauty and the Beast because slightly better than awful is better than could have been something and wasn't. Hmm. I think they both try too hard. And. But I think Beauty and the Excuse me. But Beauty and the Beast lends itself to that more than a film trying to make you cry and trying to pull at the heartstrings. So, uh, and, and the visuals of Beauty and the Beast are, uh, are actually quite spectacular. So let's go with that. Beauty and um, the me- Beast. Why mess up a good thing? I don't really care about either of these movies, but I'll, I'll stay with the uh, consensus. Uh, quickly, though, Christopher Robin or Goodbye Christopher Robin? Uh, what's a four? I, I don't. A... I don't remember that one. Yeah. Oh, goodbye, Christopher Robin is the is the biopic about A. a. Milne. That oh, one what? is uh, Domino Gleason, the writer of Christopher Rob- of uh, Winnie the Pooh. Domino oh. Gleason plays him. Margot Robbie's in it. It was uh, boring. So it's probably not that one. If neither of us are aware that it yeah. exists, apparently. Yeah, that's a good that's a good sign there. Uh, and finally, Doctor Sleep or Birds of Prey. Um, oh. he's really good in Birds of Prey. Like, he's given a really fun, campy Oh, he's doing a thing, yeah. Um, the movie is good. I wish it was great, but it's not quite there. Um, and then what was the other one? Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep is a really pleasant surprise, and I think it, he gives among his best performances in it, so I'm going to say that one for sure. All right. Miles, I have to say, I am so happy to hear every word you just said, because... I keep hearing Birds of Prey is a masterpiece. I'm like, I don't know. I've tried numerous times. I'm like, it's okay. It's good. It's like, it's not it's bad fine. at yeah, all. It's but solid. it's not, it, yeah, it's not like the it's best not a bad DC film, yeah. film ever or whatever. But when you say yeah. recommend a, a superhero film or a DC film or any, any of, you know, you don't go to Birds of Prey. Uh, Doctor Sleep, though, was not only a pleasant surprise, it's one that I want to go back and revisit because of how much of a surprise it was and how effective it was. And as a fan who had read The Shining, um, to go and and revisit a franchise or a story and characters that, you know, are, I think, probably 30, 40 years uh, since their original existence, and to do it well. And, you know, I, I mean, everyone at this, not everyone, but... So many people at this point have seen The Shining and to make a, a sequel and make you actually stay interested and care um, and, and to be creepy and to connect to it, but not over uh, overdo the whole, you know, quote unquote sequel. Um, I, I, I mean, it, I, it's one of the it's one of the most surprising films, I think, honestly, I've seen in quite a while, because if you're going to go and revisit a horror film ever as we've discussed with Halloween uh, three times over um, you can do it poorly you can do it incredibly incredibly poorly or you can do what Dr. Sleep did so uh, Dr. Sleep all the way uh, if I pick Dr. Sleep we read on, on every one for the first time right I think so yeah, uh, oh let's uh-oh. just do that then oh what 
Yeah. This is the day. But, sure, why not? Uh, it's who, late. Who'd have thought uh, and I want... Ewan McGregor, the great tiebreaker? <laughs> yeah, the one that we're all just like, yeah, sure, him. Um, let's wrap up by talking about Babylon for a minute. Because I saw Babylon, I saw all three hours, and I've seen six and a half hours worth of film recently on two movies alone. Babylon's a lot of movie. And it is, uh, it's pretty out there. It is, it is Wolf of Wall Street set in old, old-timey Hollywood. It's, it's fun, but to some degree there are diminishing returns. Uh, but I, I, did, I did enjoy it. It's maybe a little sloppier than you would expect out of a, a Damien Chazelle movie, but not necessarily in a bad way. It's like, I don't feel like it's uncontrolled sloppiness, if that makes sense. Yeah, like in the way that like there's a lot going on in the Wolf of Wall Street, but you never get the sense that Scorsese doesn't have impeccable control going on there. Right. This is similar, but a little sillier. So like there's more in this movie of like silly shit going on in the background that Scorsese kind of avoided in Wolf of Wall Street. You know, like there's wild antics in the in the foreground in Wolf of Wall Street, but he doesn't have like someone fall out a window in the background. And there's a bit more of that in, in Babylon. It's fun. It's just it's it's definitely him getting dirty and having having a good time. But then also starting to say something about about Hollywood. I think he said, was it it's a it's a hate letter to Hollywood, but a love letter to film. And I get it Um, without spoilers also has a very poignant moment involving singing in the rain. Which we talked about earlier to me and reminded me of that several times. Um, Um, I I, I get the people who don't like a wide range of reactions to it that I'm like. Which often is, you know, the the best type of film for me. Like, yeah, I, 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 which you seem to be more middle to high end, but um, definitely not, you know, pouncing on it. So, no, there's. I get the people who don't who don't like it, and I get the people who love it. I'm I'm I largely really liked it. The parts that don't work don't work, and it runs out of steam for a while before it catches up. There's there's a there's a third act pivot to something that I, I was not necessary and and frankly could have saved about 20 minutes in the movie. It really does nothing but add a, a sufficiently creepy um, to, uh, Toby Maguire. But aside from that, you're not really getting much there. So I, I could have I could have lived without that. But when it's on its highs, like the opening, like 20, 30 minute party scene, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And there's a lot of like, I can't believe they showed that, which I, I kind of got a kick out of. Um, some of it's 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 headier themes. It plays a little fast and loose with. But but as a as a good time party, like uh, debauchery, Bacchanalia, Bacchanalia type uh, endeavor, it's a far range from like the controlled uh, steeliness of a, of a first man. So I was I was interested in, in Damien Giselle doing something different. I think he. He did what he set out to do. It's just whether or not people are on board with it or not. Well, one question. Do you yes. think it'll play better or as well on a, a rewatch? Or do you think it's going to be a tougher rewatch? Um, time commitment-wise, it'll be a, a harder rewatch. But there's a lot going on that you can easily appreciate. The The visuals are interesting. The The score from Justin Hurwitz is, is terrific. Uh, Margaret Robbie is is having the time of her life. Brad Pitt's having a good time. The the supporting cast is 
largely aces. They 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 usually just get a thing. You know, they're they're all in it. Diego Calva, I think, will have a very nice career going forward. Uh, Gene Smart has a big monologue at the end that's very nice about sort of the lasting power of cinema and what an actor kind of is at their core. Um, everyone has a moment, but sometimes the moment is within a scene that you're like, oh, this isn't the high point in the movie. But there is, it's definitely wide ranging and and tells an epic story in a way that I don't think, it's a type of movie we don't get that often. It's a big swing that I appreciate. The funny thing is, is what you're saying is enticing me more. I don't know much about it. I've avoided I saw it. Yeah. Chazelle was involved and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be seeing it no matter what. And you know, we you know, I, I think we connect a lot on film. I you know, there's obviously times that you like things more than I do and, and vice versa. Sure. And this one seems like I I if you have a feeling I'm gonna swing a little higher than you do. So I don't know. Sounds good. I certainly hope you like it. I hope you love yeah. it. Everything you said sounds like, hmm, Gene Smart monologue. I'm like, eh, oh, it's definitely one that I'm I'm excited to come back to once everyone's seen it. Because we could have three very different reactions to it. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Well, I don't think Miles will dislike it. I I think Miles will will find more in terms of like, this is a a two-hour movie that runs three hours. Well, that's been a pretty common refrain. As much as I'm a big fan of most of this year's cinema... There's a lot of movies that are, frankly, half an hour to an hour too long. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, it is funny considering what was your favorite movie last year? Drive My Car. Well, and my two <laughs> and previously three this year are RRR and The Batman, which are both either three hours or pretty close. So it's yeah. not like length is the issue in and of itself. But if a film can't hold three hours worth of momentum, then you got a problem. That is very true. There is a there is a very basic requirement of keep me engaged. And if you lose me, don't lose me for too long. Right, exactly. Because, like, it's enough time where you can, like, lose someone and get them back. But, like, it depends on where the lag happens. Like, if it's lagging towards the end, like I would argue Bardo did, just as an example, sure. uh, then the strong merits of the first half it's harder to hold on to them when the running out of steam happens at the end. Whereas if it's slow to start, but it really picks up and like, you know, kills it in the end, you remember it more fondly. So it's, it's all pacing. It's all, you know, it's a case by case basis. Indeed. Where do you, where do you stand on, on Babylon a couple weeks before you'll probably be looking to see it? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting, my expectations one way or the other it's divisive enough that i know i just need to see how i feel i I was on record as not being especially impressed with the first trailer uh Mm. the second one i think i kind of like a little bit better but i just i think you picture a certain kind of movie in your head when you hear who's involved and then i look at the movie and the trailers and it's like okay well that's a bit different and not that that couldn't still be good but i was kind of excited for the other thing the funny thing yeah, is, no, I, I, I haven't seen the trailer. I've only seen stills. And I think a lot of the films this year, I've yet to give anything five stars because I... Because we only do four on the website. That's why. Well, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking letterbox, but uh, but yes. Um, but if I'm going to give my highest rating, I'm like, I, I don't think I've done it yet because the film, the first time watching the film is like watching the trailer to me. I'm being introduced to it. And... 
you know, uh, with Tar and, and with Pinocchio even, I'm like, I want to go back and revisit it and and take in as much as I can in, in a different, like from different perspectives and be able to break it down in different ways. And uh, and like for like, uh, um, what the hell is it called? Banshees of, uh, uh, say Anything? it for me, somebody. Yes, thank you. Um, I loved it. But I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna enjoy it more the second time around. And for something like this, I really don't know what to expect going in. Besides a, a few, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, broken up uh, uh, assessments of it. I haven't read anything where I, I haven't read any details. I know a little bit about it, but you know, like I said, I knew the filmmaker and the cast. And I'm like, I'm on board. So I'm not sure what it's gonna be, and I I have a. I'm curious as to what my response is going to be. I, I Chazelle across the board has been, you know, uh, Whiplash is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, L, uh, La La Land is another one that I was very, very high on. So um, he's done no wrong for me. So it's uh, a very a of, curious A lot case. of drug talk from Steve this week. <laughs> it happens. You know what? Yeah. Wait till you have kids. Then you'll be like, yeah, he'll be talking. Fair. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's close up shop. I uh, I had a th- question that I developed mid podcast that I have since forgot. Brilliant. Um, it was a good one too, and it was funny. Um, but well, I we'll take your word for it, Joey. It <laughs> yeah, no, it was it t- it tied into something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, so yeah, say where you can be followed, and uh, tell me. You know what? Tell me what Dr. Pussy's degree is in. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. You can also find me on Instagram at Marvelous Miles. Please check oh, out my... finally way. using it. I'm using it again, finally. Kind of. A little bit. I mean, it's linked to my Facebook, and so pictures I post there go on to it, it, yeah it's a whole thing um yeah. you can see my short films american exorcist and once upon a dracula they are both on youtube under aftershock pictures and chase capo respectively please check out my writing on both awards radar and looper and uh dr pussy's degree uh i don't know i'm a little too fried to like <laughs> come up with a clever <laughs> i was trying like to three do... in the morning yeah, I was trying to think of like we all have vaginology or something. Um, <laughs> that that cat's getting in some some deep business. Yeah, felineology. I don't know. Um, Doctor Pussy majored in communications. Yeah, that 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 strikes me as accurate. Steve, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxed at Filmsnork, and uh, you can also listen to the Verse, where we cover. Uh, all that fun geek stuff and or I don't know what else Marvel Guardian I don't know Guardian, you said and Galaxy. or pretty much everything what was that yeah I, I like when you said and or and I thought you said and or initially oh, yeah, yeah that's it that's it yeah like Marvel a, and or what that's a running joke on the uh, on the podcast it's a, oh no one laughs oh, well, but it keeps running I was about to say you're, uh, you're certainly selling the podcast now at the 11th hour yeah, give it, give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm not on there, so you don't have to hear me rambling on. Um, and he just Dr. does drugs in the background. Yeah, 
I, I, I hit the mute button and I try out all the, the latest mushrooms. Um, oh, Dr. Boy. Pussy's uh, degree is I in, mean, you, you have her papers. Feline philosophy. There you go. Mm. To meow is to, to human, to snore divine. Uh, yeah, that's a perfect answer. Oh. Wah, wah. oh. I think we may need to uh, seriously re-examine the definition of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> meow. Um, you can find me at Joey Magidson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that jazz. Awards Radar is on several of those things. Um, and I think the natural conclusion for this uh, this joke is that Dr. Pussy's degree is in, a, is in animal husbandry. <laughs> bloody there hell go. there we go uh we will be back next week um three of us will be back next week then miles will be uh out for a little bit so we'll be uh doing another interview episode and we'll have something special planned for the end of the year and then miles will be back in january so we'll worry about that more next week there'll be uh more stuff to talk about but until then oh fuck i remembered what it was <laughs> <laughs> of course oh my god it's well, so much oh better no, than this the one. episodes that uh we'll never know oh well we didn't end it yet so technically no it was gonna be um i'll just tell everyone it was gonna be since the election was yesterday and uh herschel walker will not be a senator but he notably uh went on a weird tangent last week about whether it'd be better to be a vampire or a werewolf so i was gonna ask you whether you'd rather be a vampire or a werewolf because hmm. apparently if you have an answer it qualifies you to run for senate Huh. Well, in that case, <laughs> Steve is filing papers as we speak. Yeah. I'm like, uh, By the way, the answer is vampire, right? Yeah, because uh, you're in yeah, control. probably. Yeah, werewolf you, is just too like you don't know what happens during that yeah. time. Yeah, vampire, vampire have limitations, you, but you can live within them. Exactly. Or not totally. live. Be the undead within. Exactly. Them. Ah, there we go. Huzzah! Uh, well. We will, we will see you at the movies or perhaps at the crypt if you choose to be a vampire. We'll be back. Yes, we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, Dr. Pussy chimed in at the last minute. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.